With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Fitness Disrupted, a production of iHeartRadio. I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted. So if I went into my bookcase that is filled, of course, with books on exercise and nutrition and psychology, but I pulled from my books, personal trainer type books, right? All the different certifications, and then pulled some textbooks from exercise science and my master's work and things like that. And I looked up sets and repetitions and specifically the proposed repetition continuum, tough to say, but pretty easy to explain, right? And this goes to the question that I get frequently and that many of you want to know, and it goes to how many repetitions should I do? And how many sets should I do? And within that and those two questions is how much weight should I lift? How heavy should I go? So we're talking about the load, the amount of weight, and then we're talking about sets and reps. And that is actually something that people often reverse, get wrong, just they call sets repetitions and vice versa, oftentimes. But repetitions are how many times you do a movement within a set, right? So is it eight repetitions? Is it 12 repetitions? Is it 15 or is it more? And then how many sets of those should you do? One, two, three, or more. And yes, Of course, I'm going to use the two words that I use so frequently, it depends. But the amazing thing about this topic is what I'm going to talk about. And one specific study that came out 
very recently by someone we all know. If you listen to my prior podcast, I, I think he was, he was definitely one of the first three guests I had on the show because he's that good, Dr. Brad Schoenfeld. So a study by the preeminent researcher, I would argue, in this topic of hypertrophy and strength and lifting. And I will talk more about him shortly if you didn't hear that podcast or haven't heard me talk about him in the past. But what I'm going to talk about refutes, or at least it, it refutes what is in those textbooks when it comes to reps and weight, how much you have to lift to achieve certain results. So this is a really important show. They're all important, (laughs) but it goes against the science that has been in those books and is in those books. I don't know of a textbook, actually, that has what I'm going to give to you. So that's why it's exciting. And this goes to, yes, science changes. This is rare. (laughs) This is rare when it comes to fitness in that most often the contradictory information you're getting is garbage. And it's contradictory, so they can sell a product or a program or a potion. But this is science. Coming to you from a researcher I know and respect incredibly. And I'm going to end with this before I go to a break. Quick break. If I do say so myself, and I will, the findings that Dr. Brad Schoenfeld came up with and found, I always believed. I always believed, and I actually put into practice many years ago because there's a large amount of common sense in what I'm going to tell you, in what refutes how heavy you have to go to achieve results. So, I can say I told you so. (laughs) And you know what? This is how I've been lifting my entire life with this belief. And I have seen the results, both myself and with my clients back when I was training as a personal trainer. All right, quick break. When we come back, do you have to lift heavy to build muscle or increase strength? New research says we'll be right back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. 
every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. All right, talking about sets and reps and building muscle and or building strength. So let's get back to this proposed repetition continuum. Now, personal trainers who are listening to this, group exercise instructors, anyone who has studied those textbooks, gotten certified, knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I have thrown these numbers out for years as well. But with that caveat that I will get to. All right, so I'm going to read a lot directly from this study when I, when I give it to you because it's so good. It's so good. And, and, and Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, it doesn't surprise me that it is written as well as it is because he is uniquely qualified to do these studies. But the repetition continuum, you've heard it before most likely. It proposes that the number of repetitions performed at a given magnitude of load will result in specific adaptations. That's the exercise science mumbo jumbo, but it's pretty darn simple, right? So the continuum is this. There's basically three buckets. The buckets are strength, hypertrophy, and endurance, right? Hypertrophy is the buzzword or the, uh, the exercise science big word for building muscle, okay? Muscle hypertrophy. So when we're talking about repetitions, what those textbooks and what we've been told for years is that if you want to build strength, if you want to really be, you know, get stronger, one to five reps. If you want to build muscle, eight to 12. If you want to work on muscular endurance, 15 or more repetitions. Now, the first time I read that, which was decades ago, <laughs> I thought, as many of you may as well, what about seven reps? <laughs> what about 13? Like, is there no benefit? Is Because it's one to five, then we don't have six or seven. And then it's eight to 12, and we don't have 13 or 14. Just something I always thought was a little odd. I mean, shouldn't they, <laughs> shouldn't they connect? Shouldn't it be like one to eight, 12? You know, you get my point. 
All right. But let me read just a little further to clarify what you would find in these textbooks about this repetition continuum. So a low repetition scheme with heavy loads, right? So the the fewer the repetitions, the heavier you have to go, right? And so when we're talking strength, one to five repetitions per set. Now here's where it gets a little confusing, but I'm going to clarify. With 80 to 100% of a one repetition maximum, and that optimizes strength. That's what the textbooks say. So what does that mean? One repetition maximum. So that's the maximum amount of weight you can do for one repetition. So if it's a bench press, if it's a squat, those type of movements are the ones often used in these testing uh, protocols. But, you know, there's many other movements and exercises as well. Bicep curl, leg extension often used in these tests as well. So one rep maximum, what's the maximum amount of weight you can do for one repetition? So let's throw out round numbers. Maybe for a bench press, it's 200 pounds, right? So that's your one rep maximum. So 50% of that would be 100 pounds, all right? So these are the numbers they are using to base these repetition continuums and effects off of. One glaring... (laughs) weakness with this whole approach that I would say, and this doesn't go to the studies themselves. It just goes to the real world, right? And there are three buckets to my philosophy that I have kind of evolved with over the years that it started with evolution, (laughs) right? So I look at evolution. I look at the empirical evidence, which are studies. And then I look at what we can do in real life, what we can do and what we do do. And right, so how many of you know what your one repetition maximum is? This is really important. There's nowhere in the studies where they actually ask how many people know. And then it's know it for all of these different exercises. No, we go by feel. We go by feel. And, and that seems to work pretty well if you are doing what is proposed when it comes to muscle failure and things like that. But this is a really important overlooked point, in my opinion. How many people know what their run one rep max is and then are utilizing this repetition continuum based on that? So you're like, okay, well, I know that I can squat 275 for my max and I am going to then create a training plan based off of that. Now, I see people on social media, I have friends who do do this, but they're the rarity, right? They are the power lifters, the crossfitters, people like that, who are dialing in those numbers. But what I'm going to tell them and tell you flies in the face of the conventional wisdom when it comes to building strength and muscle. I had a tough time coming up with the title for this show because You want it to be relatively short, but there's a lot going on here. But those are the two things I pulled out because that's generally what people will understand, right? What are my goals? Is my goal to be as strong as possible and maybe compete in those type of events? Put up the biggest weight I can? Is it to build muscle? Is it, you know, vanity? Is it bodybuilding? Is it a mix of the two? And the great news is, it doesn't really matter. 
getting ahead of myself though, when it comes to strength and building muscle. All right. But we all know we've seen those videos and seen the magazines over the years, although those are generally gone. It's online, people lifting crazy amounts of weight. And you're told that you have to, to get strong. You have to go big or go home, right? No pain, no gain. Been around forever. And what this research says is that's not true. It's just not true. And that's exciting. Okay, so let's get right to the study. The study is loading recommendations for muscle strength, hypertrophy, and local endurance. A re-examination of the repetition continuum. You know, again, I can't love Brad Schoenfeld more because I've read so many studies to you, the titles, and they're purposely made to be uber scientific and for obvious reasons, but this one isn't. This is pretty straightforward. Most people are going to understand that to some degree. Loading recommendations for muscle strength, hypertrophy, and local endurance. A re-examination of the repetition continuum. So does that hold true? Do you have to go super heavy for one to five reps to get strong or go eight to 12 repetitions to build muscle or over 15 repetitions to work on your endurance? Let me read two paragraphs from the study. Oh, by the way, uh, this study was in Sports Journal, February 2021, super recent. Resistance training is well-established as an effective interventional strategy to enhance muscular adaptations. These adaptations include, but are not limited to, increases in muscular strength, size, and local muscular endurance. Evidence indicates that optimizing these adaptations requires manipulation of resistance training variables. The magnitude of load or amount of weight lifted in a set is widely considered one of the most important of these variables. Support for the repetition continuum is derived from the seminal work of DeLorme, who proposed that high load resistance enhances muscular strength and power, while low resistance exercise improves muscular endurance. Here's the most important line, though, when it comes to this belief, this continuum. I have it in red <laughs> and bold in my notes for that reason. And this is from final sentence from this intro. Let me uh, read the whole sentence one more, half of it. Who proposed that high load resistance exercise enhances muscular strength and power while low resistance exercise improves muscular endurance and that these loading zones are incapable of eliciting adaptations achieved by the other. In other words, you're not getting strength by lifting 8 to 12 repetitions or more than 15. You're not going to get hypertrophy by going above 15. And you're not really going to get it in the same way if you go lower loads. Not what the research now shows. Okay? So, let me, again, really quickly talk about Brad Schoenfeld. Brad Schoenfeld was a trainer back when I was a trainer in New York City many years ago. And worked in the gyms and then went on and is now one of the top professors, researchers into hypertrophy has so many books, has so many papers. But what I absolutely love is, let's be honest, there are many professors who never did what they research. <laughs> I'll leave it as simple as that, right? The, the ivory tower issue. But Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, you know, worked in the trenches, as they say, 
And so I would argue, and if you really read his work, you see it, that he comes with a unique set of skills, right? And that translates into his research and how it's written and his findings. And I would argue, finally, like me, his bias is to find the truth, find what's most effective. He doesn't go in with a bias that, oh, yeah, you got to lift heavy to be strong. No, he's saying, I'm going to look at the data. I'm going to, you know, go against maybe conventional wisdom, but for the reason of trying to figure out, is it true? And again, when I first read this decades ago that, you know, one to five, eight to 12, more than 15, it didn't quite make sense to me. Why not? Because especially for people who are just starting out, my thought was commonsensically, wouldn't it stand to reason if you lift heavy things, heavier things than you are accustomed to, you're going to get stronger? Full stop? Does it have to be really heavy? Does it have to be 80% of my one rep max, which most beginner exercisers don't know and probably shouldn't know because you're not going to be max benching when you start out. Most people, there's strength and conditioning coaches, obviously, who would do that. Different reasons, but you get my point. How many of you know what your rep max is? Many who are competitive, yes, but most don't, okay? And so Brad Schoenfeld, perfect person to be doing what he's doing, all right? So I'm just going to give you those three buckets one final time, strength, endurance, and hypertrophy, all right? Because you want to know the difference, right? And so I'm going to give you, again, straight from the study because it's so well done. Let's start with strength. So strength is what they say you get when you lift really heavy one to five repetitions. Strength can be broadly defined as the ability to produce maximum force against an external resistance. Okay, that's the definition of strength. That's to the left, right, if you're looking at the actual visual representation of this continuum. And it's been referred to as the strength zone, indicating optimum gains in this parameter are attained by the performance of one to five repetitions per set. It is theorized that training in the strength zone enhances neuromuscular adaptations that facilitate force production. So when you train in this zone, it's going to help you produce maximum force. Strength is most commonly assessed via one repetition maximum testing that involves the performance of dynamic constant external resistance using either free weights or exercise machines. All right. Meta-analytic data of this metric shows a clear advantage to using heavier compared to lighter loads when the number of sets are similar between conditions. That's important. Okay, here we go. It should be noted that while heavy load training is clearly requisite for maximizing one repetition maximum, significant strength gains in this test are routinely observed with the use of low loads. Okay, greater than 20 repetitions per set. Even resistance-trained individuals show increases in strength when training with very light loads, albeit to a lesser extent than with the use of heavy loads. You get stronger by lifting heavy things. It doesn't have to be ridiculously heavy. This is important, okay? Research in highly trained individuals is lacking on this topic, but it seems likely that continued maximum strength improvements become increasingly dependent on training closer to a person's one rep maximum as one approaches their genetic ceiling. Okay, so again, for those of you who are competing, for those of you who really want to PR in a lift, 
the more you work out, the more advanced you are, the more you need to do some, not all, heavier lifting in those rep ranges. The vast majority of everyone else don't have to to significantly increase their strength. And you go, why is that important? I'm going to get to that. But I'm, let me jump ahead. First and foremost, not getting hurt. I can't hold back. Not getting hurt. So you're going to get a heck of a lot stronger without that potential, the cost benefit from lifting super heavy. Okay? Final sentence for strength in this paper. When considered in total, the literature does seem to support the existence of a strength zone for increasing one rep max consistent with the concept of a repetition continuum. Lift heavier things, you're going to get stronger, right? But that's when you get to the top of your potential for most people. All right? Muscular endurance, that's a little more complicated, right? Like, who cares about that? Now, when I did coach, I coached a lot of runners, especially endurance runners, and triathletes, especially those going long distances. So these would be people that are more interested in endurance, but then just anyone, right? This is muscular fatigue. How long can you do something without getting tired? All right? Local muscular endurance operationally defined as the ability to resist muscular fatigue, what I just said, when using a sub-maximal resistance is purported to be best developed at the right aspect of the repetition continuum, all right? So the higher reps, 15 or more. Proposed adaptations associated with such training have been attributed to an improved buffering and oxidative capacity, an increase in capillarization and mitochondrial density, and enhanced metabolic enzyme activity. You go, I have no idea what that means. Your body undergoes physiological changes by doing low-level exercise. This goes for cardio and strength. And again, I'm going to jump ahead. This is why we want to do all of the above, ideally. A mix of everything. There are different benefits to everything we do at different intensities and different strengths. Muscular endurance can be expressed either on an absolute or relative basis. This is interesting. Absolute muscular endurance involves performing a set with as many repetitions as possible at a fixed load. So an example of this, people, is the national football, the NFL combine, right? You have a bench press to assess muscular endurance. It's 225 pounds regardless of what you weigh or what your one rep max is. And you do it to failure. And the load is independent of the athlete's weight or his strength levels. And so relative muscular endurance is assessed by lifting a load at a given percentage of that one repetition max, all right? So combine 225, doesn't matter how much you weigh or what your one rep max is, that's absolute muscular endurance. And then relative is relative to what your one rep max is, all right? And so the findings suggest that a repetition continuum for local muscular endurance seems more relevant to the lower body. I'm giving you the takeaways. This is a long paper and study. And it's all over the place, people. So I pulled out what you need to know. So for runners, this is really interesting, right? Triathletes. The findings suggest that if you're going to do endurance training with strength, it's more relevant to your lower body, right? So you don't need to do or shouldn't probably do 50 reps of upper body stuff. But there's research that says for the lower body stuff, if that's what your goal is, more applicable. And it's not clear 
as to why there may be load-dependent differences in muscular endurance between the upper and lower body, the limbs, well, no such effect is seen with respect to strength or hypertrophy. Further research is required. All right. What, maybe it has to do with the fact we walk on two legs. This is like jumps out to me. You know, we're uh, evolution. You know, we're not on all fours. Maybe, you know, our, our type one muscle fibers in our legs, calves, something to do with it. Who knows? All right. Final. Let's bring this all together. Muscle hypertrophy, building muscle. That refers to the growth of muscle tissue, which can manifest in a variety of ultra-structural adaptations, right? You're going to get bigger. The mid-range of the repetition continuum from 8 to 12 reps is commonly referred to as the hypertrophy zone, reflecting the belief that such a loading scheme is ideal for building muscle, all right? And he goes on to say, this is in the ACSM guidelines, one of the certifications I have been certified by them. They do a bunch, really great certifying body. And they also say the use of moderate loads is recommended for hypertrophy training. Early evidence from longitudinal studies suggested that light load training produced suboptimal skeletal muscle hypertrophy. So in other words, if you lift light, suboptimal. You're not going to build the muscle the same way. All right. Multiple studies have subsequently been published on this topic with the vast majority indicating similar hypertrophy across a wide spectrum of loading ranges. Okay? You're getting bigger. You're building muscle across that continuum, not just in that middle zone. The aforementioned meta-analysis by Schoenfeld et al., okay, Brad himself, found no difference in whole muscle hypertrophy between studies comparing high loads, which is greater than 60% of one rep max, versus low loads, which is less Okay, this reinforces the lack of relevance of loading as a standalone variable for hypertrophy, okay? And moreover, sub-analysis found these results held true independent of body region, both upper and body. Okay, final sentence here, the er, paragraph. <laughs> the effects of volume must be taken into consideration when interpreting data on hypertrophy loading outcomes. Volume expressed as the number of sets performed is an important driver of muscle hypertrophy with an established linear dose response relationship, okay? On a set-equated basis, lighter load sets would necessarily result in greater volume loads compared to heavier loads due to the higher number of repetitions performed, therefore potentially influencing results. So because you're going a little light or a lot lighter, depending, you have greater volume. So this goes to bodybuilders, right? They do more sets. They don't necessarily go heavy, although they do both, but they're also taking performance enhancing drugs. I have to always say that, all right? But the takeaway there is, sure, you may be going heavier, but your volume is decreased. So if your goal is to build more muscle, Go a little lighter and do a little more. More work. Comes down to the work, all right? One more break. When we come back, give you the conclusions and pull it all together. Have this make sense, all right? We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. All right. Finally, here's the conclusions. I'm going to read his paragraphs because they're so good. Two paragraphs. With respect to hypertrophy, the compelling body of literature indicates that similar whole muscle growth, basically getting bigger, building muscle, can be achieved across a wide spectrum of loading ranges. And that goes for just above 30% of your one rep max, so a lot lighter than most people think. These findings are independent of age and training status, so it doesn't matter if you're just starting out or if you're advanced or how old you are. Thus, as a matter of principle, there is no ideal hypertrophy zone. But here's the important stuff. Then he goes into the practical. This is so important. So you got the evolution, you got the empirical, but what, what can we do in everyday life? That's what's most important. 
From a practical standpoint, however, a case can be made that moderate loads provide the most efficient means to achieve muscle development, given that light load training involves performing many more repetitions compared to the use of heavier loads, which in turn increases the time spent training. So there are those protocols, 50 reps, 100 reps. It takes a lot of time, and it's also a different kind of discomfort. It's a different kind of discomfort. It's the next sentence, getting ahead of myself. Moreover, the high levels of metabolic acidosis that accompany the use of light loads tend to cause discomfort, which in turn can negatively impact adherence. That burning is what they're talking about. And people go, oh, the burn? Well, that must mean results. No. Metabolic acidosis. So this is exactly (laughs) what this show and my philosophy and what my research and what my approach to fitness is all about. You can go super high reps. It's going to take longer. You're not going to get better results. Most often, many times, most programs are doing that to avoid bulk. But now what what you're learning is flies in the face of the bulk myth. In other words, you can build size by going lightweight and many reps. But it takes a lot of time. doesn't feel good. It takes a long time. Then you can go heavier, which is a different kind of discomfort. And incredibly increased likelihood of injury or chance of injury, or you can do what I do and what this research shows. Moderate. Moderate weight. Okay? Alternatively, evidence suggests that heavy load training requires more sets to achieve comparable hypertrophy to moderate loads. Again, a time thing. I don't have time to exercise. Well, go moderate. Not only is this inefficient from a time standpoint, they're referring to going heavy with less reps, okay? But the combination of heavy loads with high training volumes heightens joint-related stresses. Does that sound familiar to anyone? So in other words, if you go super heavy and fewer reps, but it's volume that matters, it's going to take a longer time. And we haven't even talked about rest intervals, don't have to. But high training volumes heightens joint-related stresses and increases the potential for overtraining. He said it too. It's there. Both acute and longitudinal data suggest a potential hypertrophic benefit to combining loading ranges as part of a structured resistance training program. Do it all if you want to. You can. So don't just do one, but you have the reasons now. Cost benefit of low, moderate, and high. The practical implications of findings remain questionable. Further studies needed. Okay, yeah, they're still figuring it out. And again, like, (laughs) if you saw, if you go and and read the actual research, it's all over the place. But I pulled out what you need to know. And final, final paragraph. Additionally, why it generally seems that the theory proposed in the repetition continuum is not necessarily valid for hypertrophy. Training with low loads tends to produce more discomfort, displeasure, and a higher rating of perceived exertion. Again, it's just supporting that high rep Low weight is not the answer either. Higher rating of perceived exertion than training with moderate to high loads. Therefore, from a practical standpoint, again, training with moderate loads is likely to be more enjoyable, which might also impact long-term adherence. Final sentence I put in bold. This is Schoenfeld's takeaway. It was at the start. I pulled it and put it, putting it at the end here. Based on the evidence, we propose a new paradigm whereby muscular adaptations can be obtained and in some cases optimized across a wide spectrum of loading zones. 
So in other words, those zones are not set in stone. You get the benefits. What did it say at the start in red that I read? <laughs> Let me read it one more time. And that these loading zones are incapable of eliciting adaptations achieved by the other. No, not true. You can get bigger by lifting lighter loads, more reps, heavier loads, fewer reps, but more sets. It's about the volume of work. It's about fatigue. It's about overload. Okay? So the takeaway, mix it up. But when in doubt, go moderate. I have been lifting, call it the Goldilocks amount of weight. And you know what they don't talk about here that I have to throw in? Muscular time under tension. It's about how many muscle fibers you recruit. When you go super heavy, many people who aren't capable really of doing it, there's more momentum. When you go super light, there's less muscular time under tension unless you go to a ridiculous number of repetitions. Go slower. My six-second rep is a great example. One or two seconds on the up, three to four on the down. That's with a moderate weight. If you go too heavy, you can't do that. If you go too light, you won't feel that. And I don't want to get hurt. And so the great news is, is that you can get stronger. This is it. By lifting moderate weights for a long time. That was the, yes, as you approach your genetic potential, as you're getting towards your PR, then you got to do some heavier lifting. And there's also the psychological in that. Don't need to get into that. It's not just physiological, it's psychological about moving heavy weights. And anyone who's done that knows what I'm talking about. I was going to go into nonlinear periodization. <laughs> I'm going to save that for another show. That's too much. Save that. All right. But if you lift things that are heavier, over time, you're going to get stronger. So you don't have to risk injury by lifting things that are super heavy for you. You will get stronger for a long time by lifting moderate weights, doing Two to three sets, one is good, two's better, three's probably best for most of you. Again, depends on your goals. If you're just starting out, one set is totally fine, one to two is totally fine. I find doing three sets back-to-back mind-numbingly boring. So I will rotate exercises. I'll do bicep curls, tricep kickbacks, some abs. Then I'll go back to bicep curls, tricep kickbacks, abs, and then I'll do a third set. But doing three in succession, I can't do it anymore. Can't do it. But there you have it. This is the science. Different science, new science. One of the few exercise science paradigms that contradicts what is in my bookcase right behind me now in so many books. But again, it went to common sense for me. You don't have to lift super heavy to get stronger. And you can lift a little lighter to build muscle too. It all goes to the overload principle that I talk about so frequently. You need to challenge your muscle. That meme you see all the time, it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Yeah, but it doesn't have to challenge you that much. It doesn't have to challenge you to the point that you might get hurt. And so for people like me who people come up to, I've said it before in the gym and say, why are you lifting lighter? Like, can't you go heavier? You you look stronger than that. I go, I'm good. I'm doing a slower rep with better form. And I'm getting size and strength at the same time. All right, there you go. You can get size and strength with moderate weight. That's the final sentence takeaway for your cocktail parties. All right. <laughs> Nonlinear periodization. I'll get to that next time. 
If you want to reach out, Tom H. Fit, Instagram and Twitter, Tom H. Fit, questions, comments. Love to hear from you. It's also, you can go to fitnessdisrupted.com, email me through the site. The Micro Workout Plan is my most recent book, Approaching 100 Reviews on Amazon. Would love, would love to break that soon. I have goals. I put it out there. If you've read it and, and enjoy it, uh, I would greatly appreciate a couple minutes to post a review. It's big for authors as I am working on my next book proposal. <sighs> I didn't get worked up on this one. This one was just straight science. This is good. I think I feel like I need to get worked up for the next show. All right. Again, thank you for listening. Remember, my one bias is bringing you the best results. And when it's Brad Schoenfeld and it's something that contradicts what I learned years ago, I was going to say I was wrong. No, they were wrong. <laughs> I learned it. I took it into, you know, took it to heart. Didn't sound perfectly sensical to me, uh, but now we know. All right. And it's great news. It's always great news. Thank you for listening. I'm Tom Holland, exercise physiologist, certified sports nutritionist, lover of everything fitness, and I have the greatest job in the world. Thank you for listening and believe in yourself. Fitness Disrupted is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.